Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate, I already hate it. I hate it. All right, hello, and welcome back to another episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast, where I'm still the aforementioned Chase Thomas coming to you live from Knoxville, Tennessee, everything School HQ, also here across the way, the way that is New York City. And I just said New York City because John Taylor, you wouldn't know he's in New York City because for the good folks watching on YouTube.com slash Chase Thomas Podcast, like and subscribe today. There is no John Taylor backdrop. There's no New York City backdrop. There's no no anything. We don't know where John Taylor is at Fangraphs.com. John, good evening, sir. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I, I'm surprised you didn't let me do my thing. I, I didn't know where you were, John. It's not the same when I can't see you doing the thing. Doing well, the I, bit. Can, I can promise you I am somewhere within the contiguous 48 United States. Oh, so you're on the, you're, you're, okay. Yeah. Alaska and Hawaii is out. Yes. No Alaska, no Hawaii. Have you been to both? Uh, I've been to neither. Okay. Yeah, not a uh, never, never had a chance to go to either. I'd love to go to both, but not had a chance yet. I don't know if I need to go to Alaska. It's it's beautiful. It's very scenic. Yeah, but the the light stuff. I don't know. I got weirded out by the whole lights and when it's bright and when it's not. Oh, the whole yeah, yeah. It, the 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 whole like. Light out till midnight thing. I, yeah, I don't I know if I'm doing that. Disconcerting. Yeah, I don't know if that's for me. I don't know, John. But I do okay. want to get to Hawaii. Hawaii is definitely on the on the old bucket list. For sure. Uh, it's, a, it's a great place to go. Yeah. Uh, we're going to travel out of the country soon. I just don't know where we're going as of yet. we got some traveling, as you know, coming up in just a little bit. So, um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see what happens here. Um, but, John video yes. or no video for the good folks listening on their preferred podcast player whether it's apple spotify whoever thank you as always for 
checking out uh, the podcast. Uh, you can support this very show by going to uh, Apple or Spotify and leaving us a five-star rating and review about why you like uh, the Major League Baseball show uh, with John Taylor at Fangrass.com uh, and myself each and every week. Um, you can also email us if you have any Major League Baseball questions or you want to get in touch with the show at Podcast at gmail.com. And as always, you can watch these episodes, shorts, clips, all that good stuff on the YouTube page, youtube.com slash Podcast, And of course, go check out the website for all the information you need about this very daily show at chasethomaspodcast.com. Uh, John. Yes. It's been two weeks. Yes. You've had two weeks to stew on this. Yes. Two weeks to think. Yes. About this. I am excited to see where you go with this. Your take graphs, take of the week for this week is what, sir? I think we need a player dispersal draft before the postseason from losing teams. Oh, how does this work? So, I mean, it doesn't. It's it's, it's complete (laughs) nonsense, but... I got thinking about it after the Angels did their whole uh, oops, everyone is free now, uh, where they got rid of Lucas Giolito and Hunter Renfro and Reynaldo Lopez and 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 a, bu- and a bunch mm. of different guys, which briefly threw the baseball world uh, for a loop. Uh, it's which is funny because on the one hand, what they did was really reminiscent, if not almost exactly the same as the old August waiver trades we used to see before that deadline was gotten rid of, I believe, during the pandemic season. Uh, never to be revived, which the, you know, I'm sure you can remember uh, a good number of those. The most famous one in my mind is the Nick Punto trade that sent him, Josh Beckett, Carl Crawford, and Adrian Gonzalez to the Dodgers from the Red Sox in a massive salary dump mm. uh, back in 20, oof, I want to say uh, 12 or so. The difference there being that the Red Sox actually got something in exchange beyond cash, or uh, they also got a couple, uh, a few prospects, not even really panned out into anything as mm. was the angels who just cut these guys because they didn't want to pay them for another uh, two months or another, sorry, another month of, of games or so, mm. which, you know, so in, in real, in that sense, there's really nothing all that different about what the angels did, except they just didn't get anything in return aside from the salary savings. And the salary savings were important for them because a large part of this beyond Artie Moreno, not having to sign as many checks, the final month of September is trying to get below enough below the luxury tax threshold to not just lower the cost of luxury tax payments for the angels next year, but also to improve the conditional round pick that they would get if they offer Shohei Otani a qualifying offer and he declines, both of which are almost guaranteed to happen. Now, the issue with what the angels did, and then this is where I leave it, um, so to speak, is that I don't think they shed enough salary actually to get under that line. They still mm. are above it, so I'm not, I'm not sure what they're going to do in that regard because uh, at this point it's too late to, you know, or I guess they could still wave guys and hope they get claimed, but regardless. And, and I understand the uproar to the idea that it's such an anti-competitive, not just an anti-competitive move, but also something that kind of throws the playoff race into chaos in a way that's not really fair, where it's like, oh, any team can now just go out and get Lucas Giolito, you know, and change the whole race. And then Lucas Giolito goes to the Guardians and gets absolutely bombed his first start. So I guess, you know, which I think is, is something worth noting for this stuff. I mean, and we saw it too with uh, the Yankees releasing Heron, or doing the same with Harrison Bader and the Reds picking him up. These are not guys who really make an impact on, on a mm. roster, especially, you know, given that with only a month left in the season, it's really, really hard for an individual player to do enough in that stretch of time to change a team's postseason odds with any real uh, degree of of 
uh, of seriousness. You know, they're, they're, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to get a win or two out of a player in, a, in the final month of the season, unless they're, unless they're peak Barry Bonds, even if they're peak Barry Bonds. I think when, when Ben Clemens wrote about uh, the angels doing this for our site, he noted that even adding peak Barry Bonds, to the best team in baseball at this point, at this stage in the game is worth about maybe half a win. You know, it, hmm. it's just, there's not enough time left and too much is too much of the cake is already baked, so to speak. Um, but then but, every now and then you get the uh, Jorge Soler types. Was was I was Soler an August waiver deadline deal or was he just not a, a waiver regular? deadline? But those kind of late, like if he had been because of oh, how sure. bad he yeah. was. Yeah, like, well, I think there's one thing if, and this is why, and this is where I got the idea, or where where I started thinking of the dispersal draft. It's one thing if these players end up on a team like Cleveland, where. Mm-hmm. There's no real, you know, they're they're not going to make Cleveland a, con- a playoff contender. They're not going to markedly improve their odds. And as it stands, Cleveland is more or less. Uh, they lost two out of three to to Minnesota just this week, so their their division dreams are pretty much gone. Yeah. Uh, their wild card dreams similarly are done. So you know, because of the Which way, it's also the, sad for a multitude of reasons because it looks like this is it for Terry Francona. Yeah, it, it's a shame that this is going to be Tito's last ride, uh, maybe literally on his little scooter. But you know, he's he's had a, a wonderful career, and I'm sure we'll get to. A eulogize Tito the manager appropriately. I hope he goes to TV. I think Tito would actually be good on TV. I think he'd be great on TV. I, I hope once he gets once he gets healthy and once he gets all his uh, ailments behind him that he can, you know, keep gracing us with his particular baseball presence. But yeah. you know, because of the way the waiver system works and because it was you know teams with the worst record got to pick first, um, there was never any chance that any of those players were going to go to a team where they could have an October impact. They were only yeah. going to be able to have really a September impact. So what I like about the idea of a dispersal draft is for just the month of October, you take all the non all the non-playoff teams and then you take mm. the playoff teams and they get to pick each I I I guess how many how many teams would this end up being? Uh, 12 teams make the playoffs, that leaves mm. 18 teams out of the postseason. So you can go that's 18 times 20. Let's keep it to 25 man rosters just to be simple. That's mm. 240 players. You can, we'll keep it simple. You can replace the three worst players, or you can you can you can add three players to replace three players on your roster. So we do mm-hmm. a three round draft where every every losing team's player is up for bid. Um, we can even do it. In fact, forget the draft because this is, this is my this is my crazy idea. Forget the draft. Drafts are stupid. It's an auction. Okay. Just get all get the playoff GMs in a room, put it on TV, and have them bidding. For the right to have, say, Shohei Otani in an October lineup, or Ooh. to have Garrett Cole on top of their postseason rotation, kind of like the the transfer window for Premier League and stuff, where it's like yeah, the loan stuff, where you're loaned. Maybe that's the the middle yeah, ground here. I like you're, that. I like you the loan Otani for two months. Yeah, he gets to play for another team. He gets to play for October. He maybe gets to win a ring, and then mm. he goes back to his original team afterward. That's I like the best a... case scenario for Otani, by the way, where he has this unbelievable situation in LA. And when people don't realize, I was listening to the baseball barbecue guys talk about this, where it, it he might end up staying just because he can do things like have a stand-in uh, for picture day. And uh, he's just doesn't really need to talk to the media. He kind of just, ha- he has a lot of cachet in the Angels organization. So they might as what, well have made him the GM. It could not have gone any worse than things actually did. Yes. So I don't know. I mean, I, I think this is this would be fun. And like you said, if you put that on TV, if you did something like this, an auction draft where like 
I, the loan would make me because I think it would just be a mess if they could all just go in and they're free agents and then it's just that's a lot going on over the course of like three months. But if you did a loan system where you didn't make the cut, like, and then they went back to their team the next year, that would be top notch. That is what, that what is better, cinema in the what words better way of to Martin incentivize, What better way to incentivize a losing team than saying? You'll get paid like $15 million to have your player go play somewhere else. Here's mm-hmm. free money, you know, just, just for being like, I, I would love to see if that would actually turn the A's into a system where they would try to lose even harder just because they would know they would get some money at the end of the year for it. But yeah, let's, that's the thing. Like I, what bums me out so much about the Otani situation, um, uh, you know, as much, you know, beyond the whole he tore his UCL and everything is that he still has not made the postseason. He has never played in a postseason game. You know, it, yeah. it's it, it's just it's such a bummer to me that the best, coolest player in baseball by by any standard, really, just will not be part of October. And you could say that about so many other different players. Fernando Tatis will not be part of the postseason. Mm. Uh, like I said, Aaron Judge will not be part of the postseason. You know, the the Oakland A's starting rotation will not be part of the postseason. <laughs> we are missing out on all of this game's great young stars. And not all of them. I mean, obviously, there'll be plenty of good, you know, good young players in the postseason and will be plenty of good players generally. But mm. it, it, it's just, I want, and, and obviously this will never happen, but I want a way to get these guys in the postseason that doesn't involve, you know, just essentially hoping that the team around you is, is, is not stupid enough or is not so stupid as to blow your opportunity with, like... The thing with Otani is, like, the Angels were gifted between him and Trout, two of the single greatest players any of us will ever see, and they still couldn't do it. You know, it, it's just, it feels so patently unfair to a guy like Otani. And granted, he knew this, presumably, when he was signing with the Angels, that, hey, this is not a team with a great track record. But, mm. I don't know. Again, it's it's my fantasy, I don't so, hate this. you know. I like this. I, I, think, I think it could be fun. Yeah. It's never going to happen. No, it's never going to happen. There's... The, but... I, there are like fifty different reasons I can think of that like it just it just will not happen. But mm. yeah, it's I, I think again it's just the shame to me that the postseason is not going to have Shohei Otani in it, and mm. I want to find a way to change that. And you know, let, let's get look. He's not going to be an angel anymore after this season anyway. Let's just let's move on and get the party started somewhere else. Let's let's have someone else bask in the joy of Shohei Otani. Mm. Why not? Yeah, I Rob Manfred, this. if you're listening to this, which I know you are every single week, yes, uh, you can message me, and you can also just go ahead and send me a check in advance as part of my consultation fee. Right. I, I guess Chase can can also have some money. I, I don't know. I don't want any. I'm good. Hard pass. I don't need anything. I, I'm good. I don't okay. want it. That's, I don't want very... it, Manfred. <laughs> you 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 don't need the man's money. No. A man for its money. Uh, um, well, John, I, I like this. This was a good warm up because now the takes are flying. That's like, sometimes sometimes you just got to get dumb, and this this feels like a good time to get dumb. Hey, when does it not feel like a good time to get dumb? It's like every time my wife and I get ready to go watch the Ultimatum uh, yes. or Love Is Blind. It's like, hey, it's time to get dumb. Love and, Is Blind uh, is is all about the dumb man. That yes. that is one of the single dumbest shows on the planet. I but you can't not watch it. No, it, it's it, it it's it's like dipping your hand into a jar of sugar and licking it. It's just it's pathetic, but at the same time, it's delicious sugar. Yes, I I have no qualms about it. I will watch Love Is Blind for as long as it's on my television. It's incredibly fascinating to see uh, uh, Love Is Blind in action and to be way 
way too emotionally invested in the relationships of people that you will never meet on on television yes but luck it is what it is um speaking of things that is um that are that is that are uh the rangers are question mark imploding what what's going on with the rangers john taylor uh well there's a lot going on with the rangers for starters uh their bullpen is trash and mm. we've known this i think throughout the season that this is not a good bullpen that you know they went into the year with will smith as the set closer which Sure, if this were, let me check my watch, six or seven <laughs> years ago, that would have been fine, but less mm-hmm. so in the year of our Lord 2023. Uh, that bullpen, since the start of the second half, ranks dead last in fielding inter- fielding independent uh, ERA, a.k.a. FIP, um, with a, and, and this is, because I'm using FIP here because I, I want to illustrate, because ERA for bullpens and for relievers is so variable and so... Uh, potentially, you know, messed with. FIP, just, you know, since it's only looking at strikeouts, walks, home runs, the stuff the pitchers nominally at least control more than anything else, mm-hmm. I find like it's a good measure. A 566 FIP in since the start of the second half, the worst in the majors, and for what it's worth, a 568 ERA. So it's not like they're getting unlucky here. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like this is, you know, it's not like this is a team uh, bullpen pitching well and getting hit hard. They have they have been very, very bad. Um, Smith has, has struggled a lot. Uh, Roldis Chapman, the who ended up being the lone bullpen reinforcement uh, at the added at or before the trade deadline for Texas has mm-hmm. not pitched well. It's really just been Jose Leclerc so far, which one uh, let's remember some guys, and two that that's just not what you want if you're Texas. They just do not have anything really approaching a shutdown reliever right now, and that is compounded by the fact that their rotation, aside from uh, the two trade deadline additions they made, Jordan Montgomery and Max Scherzer, have both been have both been uh, either very or pretty good for Texas so far, they're not, the rest of that rotation is not getting it done. Nate Uvalde has been injured, just came back off the injured list, is not throwing up to full velocity, got hit hard in his first step, step first start back off of the injured list. Andrew Haney has struggled. Dane Dunning has struggled. Uh, John Gray has struggled. It's, you know, those guys are not going deep into games. They are not pitching well. They are putting so much more uh, weight on an already taxed bullpen. It's just compounding the problem entirely. The other issue I think with Texas right now is that position player wise, the loss of Josh Young to a broken thumb and a, a second half slump from Adolis Garcia has resulted in just a real lack of depth in the lineup from the t- from the top half down. Marcus Semyon, mm-hmm. Corey Seager, Nate Lowe, those guys have been fine. Uh, the real issue has been the back half of the lineup. The real issue too has been the outfield where you've got uh, guys like Travis Jankowski and Josh Smith playing too much at this point, uh, where you've got, you know, I mean, just just look at just looking at the at the Rangers depth chart right now and who is playing for them on a regular basis. I mean, we've got Robbie Grossman, JP Martinez, the uh, non-union equivalent to JD Martinez. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just a lot of sub-replacement level production, and it's not really forecast, I think, to get any better. I don't know that there's really an expectation. You know that you that Robbie Grossman is suddenly going to wake you suddenly going to wake up from a years long coma. Um, another issue too, Jonah Heim, who has, was off to a very good start this season or was having a very good season, uh, injured his wrist has has not looked good since coming off the IL. That's another bat that Texas really misses. So I think it, it's just see it's like a perfect storm of stuff. Some of it, which we again we could have seen coming, like the bullpen. 
uh, some of which I think was a little harder to predict. Like, you know, you're never going to assume, for example, that you're going to lose your all-star third baseman halfway through the season or two-thirds of the way through the season or whatever. But some of this, too, is, you know, when this team signed Nate Yavaldi and Jacob deGrom in particular, there was that feeling of, okay, these guys are awesome when they're healthy, but that's a really big when, because that is not all that often in the past that we've seen these guys be healthy, deGrom in particular. And lo and behold, DeGrom blows out his elbow, which, um, again, you can't predict Tommy John, but I certainly don't think anyone would have... I don't think anyone was projecting Jacob DeGrom to throw 200 innings a season or anything really close to it. Yavaldi has been hurt. Um, it's just, you know, the, the depth that, that you need to last for a full 162-game season has abandoned Texas at this point in the year. And the funny thing is, like, at, at the same time, for all that's gone wrong uh, with Texas since the start of August and the second half generally... You know, and for as badly as their playoff odds have gone down, we still have them projected to finish with 88 wins mm. with a 58% chance of making the postseason. We like their odds about the same as we like the Blue Jays. You know, they're, they are not out of it by any stretch of the imagination yet. And isn't it funny, too, because, like, if you had told any Rangers fan you were going to win 88 games this year before the year, they're like, awesome. Yeah, but because they they're up. losing at the end, it just sucks when you go through a bad spell at the end because that's yeah. what you remember. That's, and that's the bad. And, and that's a good point. Like sequencing for this kind of stuff really does hurt in a sense. Like mm. if this stretch had come at the beginning of the season, you know, yeah, that hurts too. But at the same time, you know, you have that mentality of, well, we still have the whole season left in front of us. There's mm. plenty of time to shake things up, to get things going. And especially, you know, if, if things are, are, if you're running into depth issues, to make some additions to help us. Not mm. only, like you said, does it feel worse now to be doing it at the end of the season to feel like you're losing your grip on that postseason spot, but there's no reinforcements coming. This is this yeah. is pretty much it for Texas down the stretch. There's no real uh, help on the horizon. So, look, I, I don't want to, like Texas is not to be finished, but you know, you know, like I just said that we give them about a sixty percent chance to make the postseason. The flip side of that is that they are last of the postseason uh, contenders, or they're last in those odds among the actual postseason contenders. Yeah. Um, and they have they have some ground to make up now. And they also do not have that easy a schedule going forward. Their strength of schedule rest of the season at uh, 514 winning percentage. Uh, Seattle's is slightly stronger. The problem, too, is the Astros have a below 500 schedule left for the rest of the season. They, I think, are really now in the driver's seat for the AL West, which... Again, like kind of to build off your point, if you told, if you'd said before the season, "Hey, the AL West is going to end up with the with the Astros winning it," yeah, that's what we all would have expected, yeah. really. I think in the first place, even even though I know we talked about how the Astros had kind of taken a bit of a step back this off season in terms of in terms of activity, in terms of the roster they have, I think most people still like them as the AL West champion. It's just funny to think that they're only going to get there with about three weeks left in the season and be like, "Oh, okay, yeah. well now they they made it look good for the rest of us." And that's a great year. And I think they're still probably like the Blue Jays. It's not exactly like they're the sturdiest playoff team left. Like it really could come. Is there a team between the two of them? Who would you rather? It, or not even who would you rather? Who would be a more dangerous postseason team? The Rangers or the Blue Jays? That's a tough one. I, I want to say. I want to say Toronto, if only because I think they mm. have a, the Blue Jays have a better bullpen. I don't know, but neither of those teams particularly scares me in the postseason. I mean, anyone can get hot, but I, I think Toronto's probably a little better equipped for the postseason by having Jordan Romano as the closers, mm -hmm. and as opposed to Texas having just one giant endless question mark. But I don't know. I you could. I mean, I think there's a reason why you know our playoff odds have 
we have the Blue Jays projected to win 87 games and the Rangers projected to win 80, or sorry, the Blue Jays win 89 games, the Rangers to win 88, where our projections consider them to be roughly equivalent going forward. So I don't know. I, I think, you know, ultimately, like you look at World Series odds too, the Blue Jays have slightly better World Series odds than the Rangers, which I guess is our projection saying that they look like a better postseason team, but I don't know. I mean, the Twins also have better World Series odds than the Rangers do, and I don't think you're going to find anyone on the planet who's going to pick the Twins to win the World Series this, this fall. So give me Royce the Blue Lewis. Jays, I guess. Yeah, yeah, sure. If, if Again, for the... Well, the, he wouldn't be part of any dispersal draft. But yeah if, yeah, if the Twins can get into situations where Royce Lewis is always batting with the bases <laughs> loaded... I mean, look, the good, thing for the, the good thing for the Twins is, number one, the Yankees won't be in the postseason. Mm-hmm. So they've already dodged that particular that, enormous honestly, that's, you're that's not big. wrong. That's really big for them. Uh, congrats to the Blue Jays in or to the Blue Jays, to the Twins in advance. Assuming the Yankees don't pull off an absolute miracle run here, which now that I've said it, I have spoken it into existence. If this happens, you will never hear me on this podcast again because I will never be able to live down the shame. However, mm-hmm. uh, the Twins have already slain that particular dragon by virtue of the fact that the dragon uh, walked off a cliff. So. Maybe it can happen. That's October, baby. Maybe maybe it can happen. Anything can happen. There you go. It's October. Anything can happen. Speaking of anything happening in October, we saw it a couple of years ago with the Chicago Cubs finally winning the World Series again. Um, they're rolling into the playoffs, John Taylor. Oh, sorry. I thought you were going to say something after that. Uh, no. No, okay. It's, I was waiting for some kind of snappy Chicago something what's a what's a chicago hot dog chicago dogs i got deep I got not, dish pizza I, i'm starting to realize Very why gross. i'm starting to realize why you didn't have a line for this there really is no good line for this yes the cubs the cubs are good now uh looking at our postseason odds we have the cubs with a 59 percent chance or 32.5 percent chance to win the division 59 percent chance to clinch a wild card spot 91.6 percent chance to make the postseason I'll admit, there's a little egg on my face. I spent a lot of the offseason and this, or in the early part of the season saying, I don't think the Cubs are contenders. I don't think they're a yeah. playoff team. I don't think they're deep enough, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whoops, turns out I'm wrong. It helps that the Cardinals had the season from hell. Uh, it helps that the NL wildcard race is a slip and slide coded in Crisco, uh, mm-hmm. just full of bumbling and stumbling. But look, uh, credit to the Cubs, you know, in particular, Cody Bellinger, who... I think if you were to, you know, if we were to go back, uh, or if you were to go and ask Cubs fans, who's going to be, if the Cubs make the postseason this season, who is going to be the guy who gets them there? Who is going to be the biggest difference maker for that? I think pretty much everyone would have said, well, it starts with Cody Bellinger looking like the Cody Bellinger of old. And that is Mm. more or less exactly what's happened. He's been a phenomenal force for them down the stretch. He's going to get down ballot MVP votes. He's going to turn this all into a very nice long-term contract with somebody. Uh, Scott Boris wins again. So, you know... Cody Bellinger for starters, Justin Steele, who is going to be at the very least an NL Cy Young finalist, which find me the person anywhere in America who said Justin Steele will be an NL Cy Young finalist before the season started. Definitely nobody saw that one coming, Uh, but he has been phenomenal. His start against uh, Milwaukee or was Milwaukee or Cincinnati? It was Cincinnati the other day was terrific. Mm -hmm. Cincinnati or San Francisco? It doesn't matter. It was San Francisco. Seven innings, seven shutouts. They passed the Giants because it was a big series and the Giants are fading and I'm I'm pretty sure it was San Francisco over the weekend. The the Giants cannot hit right now. It is is really... Turns out when your big offseason lineup addition is Mitch Hanniger, your things are not going to go well for your lineup. What Uh, another weird year for the Giants. Yeah, it's starting to feel like uh, again, like a roster that just very much needs more kind of st- like 
the the Giants are a roster of just nothing but two win players, mm. which is fine. But you're just not gonna get very far with that. You know, you're, you're, yeah. you've got a fine 162, but it, it's really tough to challenge for actual postseason spots and to challenge for a World Series when your roster is just kind of somewhat better than average all around. You know, you really need those. You need those four to five to six win guys sprinkled in there to make the big difference. You know, and I. And I imagine that's what the Giants were going for when they went after Aaron Judge in the offseason, but I digress. Uh, And the third guy I want to point to for the Cubs has been such a huge part of their season, Adbert Alzale, Mm -hmm. a former starting pitching prospect who's turned into an outstanding closer for them, has been really, really great. You know, those three guys, and that's the thing, I don't, you know, know, like I said, I, I think Cubs fans would have assumed that Bellinger would have been a part of any successful contending Cubs team. I don't know that at the same time people would have said, oh, yeah, and we expect Justin Steele to be an NL Cy Young finalist and Adbert Alzelay to be one of the best closers in baseball. So that's, again, kudos to the Cubs. They, they, they put those guys in positions to do better. They, they made the changes with those guys to have them perform better. That's really been so much of their story. You know, when you look at, uh, when you look at their roster and what, that, and what that team has done so far, those three have carried a ton of the weight so far, and which is not to take anything away from, you know, spot pop-up heroes like Mike Talkman or, or Seiya Suzuki, who's been very good in the second half, or uh, Mark Leiter Jr., who's been a very valuable bridge to Alzale in the late innings. But those three, I mean, that's, that's why the Cubs are going to make the postseason, is the efforts of those three. I don't... And here's where I'll I'll go back to being like, I don't know about the Cubs. I don't know if Mm -hmm. this Cubs team is good enough to win a championship, but at the very least, they're putting themselves in position to do it. They still have a very good shot at winning the division. Uh, You get a look at our playoff odds. They have, uh, we project them to finish with 87 and a half wins. So round up or round down and the Brewers at 89. Chicago with the weaker schedule going forward for the rest of the season. You know, they're only a game and a half out of first place in the NL Central right now. Uh, it's anybody's division in my mind, you know, that's mm. not a, you know, so we're, we're at a place where, and, and this is, I should note all those numbers are before they beat the giants again today. Mm. And, uh, before the brewers, I believe lost to the pirates, but, uh, yeah, the brewers lost to the pirates. So that uh, here, I'll give you the live update. That division lead is a half game for Milwaukee right now. So, you know, we're looking at the fact that the Cubs might not just make the playoffs. They also might do it hosting a playoff series. As it feels NL weird because you just camps. felt like the Brewers locked it up a while ago. It, it felt, I think it felt like that in part because it just didn't seem like the rest of the NL Central was going to try. Yeah. Um, you know, given especially the way we had the cut or we had the Reds who got off that, you know, that hot stretch in the middle of the summer, but didn't really do much at the deadline and have kind of faded a little bit since, although mm-hmm. they're very, very much still in the wildcard conversation, obviously with the way that the Cardinals fell apart with the way that the Pirates hot April didn't really turn into anything, which I think most of us, uh, correctly saw was a, was a bit of a fluke but yeah it, it really did feel like the brewers division to lose for a lot of this and it's it still is they're still in first place but you know again kudos to the cubs they're they are making it uh they're making it a, a competition as they as they go as they finish up that's true and we'll see uh what ultimately happens there but i think the cubs make it interesting i think i would still probably prefer the brewers win that division i think they're probably the better team and i think that's more interesting um than the cubs but i don't know i'm interested to see how it all unfolds because uh the dodgers are out of starters um the braves are just can we just i don't know i'm just spitballing here john okay i'm, I'm ready i'm ready for braves talk um what if we just simmed or 
the Dodgers, the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, the Brewers, the Phillies. We'll throw the Marlins in because we're nice. And they all just were like, we we saw the Fangrass playoff odds. Like, you're 30% chance winning the World Series. Like, we don't think we're going to be able to beat you in the playoffs. And I think you're going to have a much more difficult time against whoever wins the AL. Well, so I, thought, I thought you were being sarcastic with that 30%. No, it is literally 30%. Good yes. gracious. It is 30%, John Taylor. That is really something. It's going to be... I'm preparing myself mentally. Like it's an it's a huge upset if the Braves don't get out of the NL at this point. Like something went cataclysmically wrong for the Braves not to make it out of this. I'm not saying they're winning the World Series. We'll see what happens when they get there. But I think anything short of the World Series based on this run is gonna be a gigantic gut punch of what if because this Braves offense is just something else entirely man it's really special it is really special what this team has done this season i think you're right like if you're the braves and you do not make it at least out of the national league which to say at least if you're not one of the two last two teams standing the whole season's been a failure but yeah given how i well mean it's not played, been a failure but it's also i i think i mean it's so hard because there's so many games and these guys have been awesome for so long and it's baseball and that's what happens but like the way it looks in the nl right now i mean I don't know. I think you can just point it as like, this can't happen. You've got to make the World Series with this kind of run. And this kind of run of health with the lineup, by and large. I mean, and just watching that Dodgers-Braves series uh, from, mm. la- from last week, that nice little NLCS preview we got, I want seven games between those two yeah. teams. I want that so badly. Um, you know, I, I, I don't care who wins that one. I just want the two best teams. What do you mean, I care, John? As a longtime co-host of this podcast, I thought you would have had a little bit of Braves bias at this point. One, you got a World Series literally two years ago. That feels like forever ago. Number two. You got I'll, like three with the Red I Sox. I root for baseball, except with, with the Yankees. I root for them to fail. But I root mm. for baseball and good baseball. I just want the best baseball teams to play each other. I want the most fun baseball teams to play each other. Mm-hmm. The Braves very much in the Venn diagram of fun and good are just two circles right on top of each other. So I, I want to see I want to see them take on the best. And right now, the best team in the National League other than the Braves is the Dodgers. So I want to see that happen. OK. I'll allow it. I don't love it. No, of course, you'll be spending the whole series in the fetal position, but I'm going to be enjoying it. That's great. I'm glad you're going to enjoy it, John. I'm going to enjoy the heck out of it. Final thing here before we wrap up, um, yes. kind of went under the radar, John this week or i guess it was a couple weeks ago now the nats are going to ride with mike rizzo and davy martinez at least for the foreseeable future because we don't really know what's going on with the sale there i guess they're not going to sell learner is not going to sell for a while either way um the nationals are gritty they are going to finish with a better record probably than the mets um cj abrams looks like the long-term answer at leadoff uh, a lot of talent suddenly kind of moving through the pipeline a little bit i kind of look at this and i the way i look at it with Rizzo and especially Davey too. I think there is this once a GM's a GM for a long time. You see that like Cashman deals with this um to a degree. Um I think Dombrowski, if he had stayed at one spot, would have <laughs> for a long period of time he would have dealt with this a little bit. But I think you uh, it, there's an a reflex for sports fans to and sports writers and analysts and talkers and writers and this, that and the other to just be like, well, obviously you move on from Mike Rizzo. Obviously you move from from Davey Martinez after they won the title and you go through this rebuild. But why? 
Like, Rizzo did build a championship team. Rizzo did get this organization to a point where it never had gotten before. Rizzo does know how to build. He has the track record. Like, he has built this thing. He has won a World Series. He built a juggernaut um, in Washington for many years. Davey Martinez has proven to be a good manager. If the guys like him, they want to do it, and they don't want to go anywhere, why isn't that a good idea? I, I, I don't, I think Mike Rizzo is kind of now underrated in terms of GMs across the sport because everyone's just so obsessed with the, uh, just, oh, we got to go new. We're going to go like David Stearns, David Stearns this, David Stearns that. We're going after, it's like, well, Mike Rizzo is just like quietly like built a, a winner for a long period of time, won a title, and the Nationals might be a little ahead of schedule in their rebuild. I don't know. I kind of would just, if I'm a Nats fan, I'm like, I think I'm good trusting Mike Rizzo for a long time. Is that yeah, fair? No, I, I think it's fair. I think if if nothing else, you know, the way the Nationals have played this season, which is to say far better than I think anyone realistically mm-hmm. expected. Uh, one, that's a credit to Davey Martinez, who, you know, we, we obviously can't see everything a manager does, but, you know, one of the main most most important things a manager does or or is responsible for is having his team essentially ready to play every day. Mm. And while there are certainly games where the Nationals have looked uh, borderline inept, they've also been, I think, a pesky, uh, you know, pretty morally, or not morally, sorry, but just a a strong-willed team, it seems like, one that, you know, is good with comebacks, that plays hard, it feels like, to the final out. Again, that's a credit to Davey Martinez for taking a situation where everyone justifiably could have said, screw this, I don't care about this season, we stink. And instead, you know, really giving it giving it their best. Um, mm-hmm. And I know that sounds kind of like uh, damning with faint praise, and, you know, I know we're not talking about a t-ball team here, but at the same time, there's some credit to be given to the Nationals for what they've done this season, which is to say they've been better than, than people have expected. And I think to a certain degree that's true for Mike Rizzo. I think... You know, I, I don't remain all that high on either Davey Martinez or Mike Rizzo. I think they're both fine at what they do. Um, I think they've had some good moves. Like I said, I think Rizzo, or Martinez has done a good job managing the season. I think Rizzo, in particular, the Heimer Candelario signing and then the Heimer Candelario trade, I thought were just very, very nice moves all the way around from him. I think they've mm-hmm. done pretty well with this rebuild so far. I think, you know, a lot of it obviously will depend on the results they get from the guys they got from in the Juan Soto trade, but already they've gotten good results from CJ Abrams. They've gotten good results from Mackenzie Gore. I think the nationals aren't great when it comes to player development, but I think they've done pretty well with those two. And obviously they've got the number one or arguably one of the uh, candidates from the number one prospect in baseball and Robert Woods. So, uh, or sorry, James Wood, I'm, I'm mixing Robert Hassel and, J- and James Wood into one super player. That but would be a cool player, though. That would be cool. I almost said James Woods, too, but he's a right-wing crank now. Um, so in my mind, it's, you know, and again, I think, like you said, it doesn't seem like the learners are making much progress with the sale of this team for who knows whatever reason. So if that's the case, I think continuity does make sense. You know, there's no real reason to boot these guys out if you feel like they're doing a, an all right job. And it, feels, and it does seem like they at least have the rebuild on the right track which I think if you are in charge of the Nationals and or looking to sell the Nationals, all you want is that the folks in charge keep the thing moving in the right direction. And I think yeah. that's what's happened so far. I think this season, for the most part, has been a, a, a pretty good, you know, it's been pretty good for the Nationals in terms of their long-term goals. Uh, and that's obviously without, look, you know, 
a lot of what their what their long term goals are centered on are what how, what's happening down in the minors, which you know I, I can't speak to because I'm not following Nationals minor league baseball. Because what are you doing, I John? Have a, I, well, I have this thing called a life where mm. I don't pay attention to. Although, I mean, Brady House is already you know knocking on the door to Double A at 19 years old, or Brady House, sorry, um, the uh, Dylan Cruz. Brady House, yes, is another Dylan one Cruz prospects. is going to be. I mean, he's trying to catch Jackson Holiday, who's going to be like on the. Orioles postseason roster at this point. Also, I saw a recent picture of Dylan Cruz. That boy does not skip leg day. My goodness. Those quads are hockey player thick. Um, it's like the bizarro Clint Frazier. Yes, but, uh, you know, and so obviously a lot of a lot of the Nationals' future is going to be determined by what happens with Wood, what happens with Dylan Cruz, what happens with Mackenzie Gore and C.J. Abrams and, and all the rest of their young players. But it does feel like Rizzo and Martinez have done a good job both keeping the ship currently afloat and keeping it pointed in the right direction. And that being the case, I, I really don't see why you would try to shake things up there. I still think whenever new ownership does come in, you know, at some point in the, in the future, they probably will lose their jobs, um, and I think understandably so, but if nothing else, they I think they deserve to keep this going right now. You know, this has been a, a pretty a qualified success of a season for the Nationals, given what their goals were going into it. Can I make a prediction on this? Yes. Rizzo's going to win a World Series with somebody else. I could see that. I, I think he. I think he probably does better. He's as... a Dombrowski, like a future Dombrowski guy. Yeah, the, the sense I get with Rizzo is he's he's better suited to be a, a general manager of a veteran team that's not yeah. so focused on either a rebuild or on prospect hugging, or is close, or is close, and just needs someone to. Because well, I think uh, a la Dombrowski, Rizzo is one of those old school GMs who's really good at spending other people's money. And so with the right owner and the right roster, yeah. I think that's a that's a, a viable uh, position for him. I just and that's why ultimately, like, I, I, I'm surprised, honestly, that he wanted to stick around for a rebuild. Mm. I didn't think he would have the, the, the appetite for it, but he's done. A, he's done a pretty good job so far. I think you know, I'd and, like to see him, uh, I guess. I don't know. I guess that wouldn't be the I was thinking about. I was going to throw out the Rockies would just be funny. I mean, the you Rockies are funny him. just in general. You just throw in Rizzo and see, like, can he spin the Rockies into contention? I don't think anyone can do that. No. Because that's the thing. I think the Rockies are one of those teams where, along with the Angels, along with, uh, you know, the, the the Pirates to a certain degree, I, that's one where ownership has to change. How know, many because... GMs that, like, drive through Denver and they're like, God, it's gorgeous here. And they drive by Coors Field. They're like, I could fix them. And then their wife just no, you cannot. No, That's you the can't. Royals. No, no one, or the, no that's one, the the Rockies. You cannot. You cannot do that. fix the Rockies. No. And the he's Rockies, like, but look at this. How do you not fix? Uh, what, look at it. It's so pretty. Already it's getting so, their already getting their REI membership card. Yeah. Just getting in, suddenly getting uh, they in popped advance. in. They drove in on a, uh, a Mercedes SUV, and suddenly they're just in a Hyundai Subaru, and they're just like, "What do we get in here?" And, yeah. God. You can't fix the Rockies though. You can't fix the Rockies. We'll leave it there, John Taylor. What can the good folks check out from you and the team over at Fangraphs.com this week? Uh, some cool stuff. In particular, I want to shout out a new feature we've added to the site called our new Cy Young Award Projections. Uh, you wow, find... Spencer Strider won. Thanks. Boy, I, I'm not, I got some bad news for you of what happens if you check out the NL. Actually, wait, Spencer Strider is our favorite by that thing. Oh, that's... You love it. I love that y'all just slant things for Man. the pod. 
I, I love that ta- that Fangraphs is in the tank for the Chase Thomas podcast. Actually, John. by by Cy Young points, which is a, a an old Tango Tiger metric, uh, Spencer Strider is third behind Blake Snell and Justin Steele. So mm. I lied. Um, well, but we that's have we have also a new Justin Steele's not winning the Cy Young. We have a new projection tool on our site. Check it out under projections. You can see who our projections think. Uh, is the likely Cy Young in each league, including projected stats for the rest of the season. Plus, you can use our various projection systems, steamer, depth charts, zips, the bat, all that fun stuff. So uh, go check that out for sure. Uh, We've got an interview with Bobby Miller coming tomorrow that should be very fun, the young guns in Los Angeles' rotation. Uh, Michael Bauman did a two-part series on bunting, yes, on bunts, that I actually found really entertaining and enjoyable. Check that out if you like small ball or are a dead-end National League purist. Uh, otherwise, you know, I know what everyone is checking out first and foremost when they come to Fangraphs at this time of year is playoff odds, which I remind you are updated every single morning so you can keep track of who is where in each race. Uh, while you're over there, if you are not a member, you should consider signing up. For $10 a month or $60 a year, you get ad-free browsing, uh, the ability to... Download our full leaderboards data for your own private and personal use and to do whatever you want with, plus a lot of other cool stuff. So come on over to Fangraphs, where baseball is the thing we do. We do good. I, I love that, John. Thank you. John Taylor, always a pleasure, my friend. And I'll talk to you next week. Sounds good. Nicely done, nephew. Chase Thomas Podcast. Hell yeah. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 